day, and I'm thankful for it. Um, I, I'm sad that, that her back is still hurting, but thankful that we can just uh, get down to the simplicity of praising the Lord. And so today, may we lift up our voices together, uh, regardless of what you think you sound like or don't sound like or, or whatever. Praise the Lord today. He's worthy of it. So let's sing and lift our hearts to Him. Uh, but before we do so, let's pray. Go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for this day. Grateful for the fact that we can gather, we can worship You, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ, that we can meet today. I pray that You would help us now, uh, that You would be glorified and honored as we worship You, Lord. Help us do so in spirit and truth, that while we don't have a piano, Lord, that we wouldn't care so much about, about what we sound like, that we would just simply care about lifting up our hearts to You in worship. Lord, You are worthy of all praise and glory and honor forever and forever. So help this morning to be just a moment in time where we can uh, step aside from the world, to step aside from our own problems, our own issues, our distractions, and God, that we would get out of our own flesh and that we would be filled by Your Spirit to, to praise Your name for who You are and for the wonderful things that You've done. We thank You uh, for meeting with us. We pray that You would uh, go before us, prepare every heart for, for fellowship, for worship, and as well uh, for, for the preaching of Your Word. We thank You for this time and be with us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, please stand. We begin our singing. Hymn number 705. It is well with my soul. Psalm 55, 18 talks about that. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. It is well with my soul. And we hopefully, prayerfully, Try to get started close to the right note here, but uh, this opportunity to sing out in place of a piano, so raise your voice to the glory of God, singing from your heart through your voice, and we'll all try to do that for his honor and in his glory, because it is well with my soul because of him, nothing I've done. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, tells us and said unto the woman now we believe not because of thy saying for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world hallelujah what a Savior hymn number 311 man of sorrows what a name 
For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Lifted up was He to die. It is finished was His cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah! What a Savior! When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransom home to bring. Then anew this song will sing. Savior. <clears throat> Hallelujah. What a Savior. And to God be the glory. Hymn number 56. <clears throat> Psalm 126.3 tells us, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gates that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory great things he hath done amen now we're going to have a little handshaking waving smiling welcoming saying hello whatever you please as uh, our welcome will start right now <clears throat> to see handshaking and smiling and uh, waving and a little chit-chat, so all that's good. So if we would make our way back to our seats.
Brother Larry Davis got a special for us. Looking forward to hearing him sing. So, Brother Larry, you come on. Sing for the glory of the Lord. Friend of mine, uh, Terry Simone, some of you may know him. Terry's a good brother in Christ and uh, just a good friend. And he wrote this song several years ago. And Terry's probably written more than 50 uh, gospel songs, I guess. And uh, this particular song always blesses my heart when I hear it. And uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Let's all go down to the river. The Spirit of the Lord is with us all down there. That old river's gonna roll. The sun will surely shine. Lord, I cast upon you all my cares. Faith looks up and says, Lord, I believe in you and I know your faithfulness is gonna come shining through you're my comfort you're my strength Lord you are my everything you pick me up from where I am and you place me right where you need me to be. Lord, you are. Lord, you are my everything. Every time you paint the blue skies with a rainbow, it reminds me of the promise that you made. And when I look down that beach, there's only one set of footprints that I see. Lord, I'll never be afraid. Lord, I'll never walk alone. You give me strength to carry on. You're my comfort. You're my strength. Lord, you are my everything. You pick me up from where I am. And you place me right where you need me to be. Lord, you are. Lord, you are my everything. grant me my serenity and help me be what you need me to be Lord I surrender all I surrender all you're my comfort you're my strength Lord, you are my everything. You pick me up from where I am. And you place me right where you need me to be. Lord, you are. Lord, you are my everything. My everything. Please pray with me as we talk to the Most High God, the only true and living God. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house here today. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come and worship the Most High God. Lord, we pray, Lord, that our worship be received by you because you deserve it, Lord. You're worthy. And we ask, Lord, that, uh, uh, Lord, that everything said and done here today bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we don't have a piano, but, Lord, we can still sing praise and glory to you. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with Joanne and help her and heal her up where she can get back with us to make a, a joyful sound on the, on the piano. And we pray that our voices today has been pleasing to you, Lord, and we sung not just with our voice but from our heart and words of praise to you. Lord, we just ask, Lord, you'd help our pastor preach the message that you give him to your people here today with, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit in the message and in his body and in his voice, Lord, and in his heart. We just ask, Lord, that uh, souls be uh, encouraged and uh, sin brought to light and convicted of us, uh, sin of us, Lord, uh, uh, that we might change. And, uh, Lord, for your honor and your glory, and by, by the Holy Spirit of God, preach to us today. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray and ask all things. Amen. I'm going to ask you to uh, stand one more time as we sing His Mercy is More. This is not a tune that we are real familiar with, but it sure does preach a message in the song. His Mercy is more. Psalm 136.1 tells us, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's the part I like. It endureth forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His 
mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Amen. Praise the Lord for His mercy, and you may be seated. And now our pastor, Joe, is coming to preach God's Word. Give him a nice hand. Well, I appreciate the flexibility of J.L. and the singers, and for you all as well, um, it, I'll be honest, as sad as I am for Miss Joanne, the past two weeks I've, I've been grateful that we could sort of step back in time, if you will, uh, step back to a place where we understand and we remember that there was a time when this church met in a barn. We talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? Right? And we didn't have to worry about pianos and organs and, and different things or lights and instruments and whatever it might be. Sometimes we are so focused upon the outward of church and the things of church and the comfortableness of church that we forget that the greatest necessity of church is, is Christ, that He would be honored and glorified, preached, lifted up, and that Christ and His power through the glorious gospel of His death, burial, and resurrection would change hearts and lives. That's us today. We don't outgrow the gospel. We never should grow tired of the gospel. And the soul that has grown tired of the gospel probably needs to go back to the gospel for the very first time. Take your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking and, and probably beginning a little bit of a series. I don't know how long until the Lord just tells me quit. Or <laughs> he has to do that a lot. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to be looking at the risen life. The risen life. I'm afraid that many of us as Christians, we just sort of coast along. We are The average Christian life is not really what the Christian life is meant to be. We want the practical, but we need to understand that what we're going to see is this, that practicing and doing the Christian life is not a set of lists of do's and, and, and don'ts. Rather, it stems from who we are in Christ and who He is. And therefore, as that is applied to us daily... And we're going to see this today. Here's what we're going to preach today. We're going to look at the, at, at the first four verses of chapter 3, but today we're going to look in. And today's message is, If ye then be risen with Christ. Today, I want to go ahead before we get any further. How many of y'all are trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let me help you out. Right now, you are risen with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. You are not a citizen of this land. You are not, no matter what, how many of y'all just got your taxes from the county or the town? Yeah, isn't it nice to be a citizen, amen? <laughs> I, learned, I learned it's even better when you live in the town and you get taxed twice. <laughs> hey, look, we talk about citizenship here. I want you to know, if you are saved today, this world is not your home, you're passing through, you're going to live until you die, so while you live, you might as well die to this world and live for Christ. This is a daily struggle, a daily fight. You know why? Because every day you still have on your flesh. Until the moment that you put it off, until He takes it off of us and, and, and clothes us and, and, and in corruption, until that day we will struggle and we will fight. If you think that the Christian life should be something that is not a war or a battle, then you don't understand, nor have you probably even read the Bible. The Christian life is a fight. It is a spiritual battle. Why? Because the flesh wars against the Spirit. Your flesh never wants to read your Bible. Your flesh certainly doesn't want to study your Bible. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. Nor does your flesh want to sit and meditate upon the Word of God, nor to hear what God has to say, because that would mean that you must change. When God speaks, it changes us. At least it ought to. That's the goal. Because we are not even as we should be. 
Yet Christ who is in us is slowly but surely as we yield to Him, changing us and making us more and more daily into the image of what we are meant to be. And that is the Christian life. The Christian life is not the church life. The Christian life is not attending church. The Christian life is not being a member of the church. The Christian life is not even reading your Bible and praying. The Christian life is your life daily identified in Him. It is that your life is not a list of what a church says you need to do or don't need to do. You know what? Most folks would like this for a sermon. Tell me what I need to do. And I'm not gonna. Because you already do. There's not a soul in this room this morning that doesn't know that they need to come to church. Not a soul in this room that doesn't know that they uh, need to read their Bible and to pray. What we need to know is what's just below that surface. Because that's surface level Christianity. That's not Christian, that, that's barely Christianity 101, right? You already know. But why do we pray? Why do we read? Why do we go to church? Why do we evangelize? Here's the answer. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for the reading of Your Word. Thank You that we could worship You, God. Lord, who are we but worms and dust that we could praise You, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of glory. God, I pray that right now, Lord, that You would settle and instill our hearts and our minds, rid us of all distractions, rid of us of this flesh, even just for this moment of hearing Your Word, God, that You would speak. Lord, it not be my thoughts, my opinion, but God, that we would hear what You have to say. Lord, all that matters as we gather together is thus saith the Lord. And I pray that today, Your Spirit would prepare our hearts to hear Your Word. Your Spirit would go before us and, and would mold us and conform us to the image of Christ. I pray that now that You would fill me with, with unction, give freedom and liberty to preach Your Word. And God, that it would be You who preaches Your Word, Lord, because none can preach it like You can. God, I pray that You would meet the need of every heart in this place today. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we talk about the risen life, this is what the Christian life is to look like. To know that you are risen with Him right now. Everyone wants unity, and most of us pray for church unity and things like that. We want unity in, in our heart and our life. And the Christian life, to be honest with you, is based upon that very fact. The Christian life is one of union. First and foremost, the Christian life is that we are united to Christ. This is vertical first. We will never have unity in the church or amongst the church or amongst our families or friends or this very local body called Victory Baptist Church until you yourself understand the union that you have with Christ our Lord. Until you yourself understand that you must be in union and that the risen life, the life that Christ has called us to and given to us is a life where we walk in union with Him. I want you to know that the Christian life is not just us walking alongside Jesus. No, but it's Christ in us. It's no longer that there's two folks or two, different fo or two different people or two different paths, but now as we walk, it is the Lord walking our walk in us. It is the Lord's mind that we need to put the mind of Christ in us, that we would have the heart of Christ, that we would have the walk of Christ, the life of Christ. How can we have that? You see, that's what the Christian life is. The power is there already. It's the Spirit of God who has given this, but we know this as we yield to pray, as we understand this union with Christ, that as we begin to grow vertically with the Lord, then we can have unity horizontally. The Christian can only live what he learns. Our hands will only do what our hearts believe. The reason why our hands find mischief and sinfulness is because our hearts believe that we can get away with it. The reason why we sin, the reason why we run from God, the reason why we fight Him with a closed fist is because we believe that we have strength. We believe that we have the right way. We believe in that moment of sin that our sin is greater than Christ. You see, the things that go in your head will settle into your heart. The things that settle into your heart will come out. It will come out in frustration. 
bitterness, anger, lust, greed, pride. You know what those things are? These are the things of the flesh. But when our mind is fixed upon the heavenly things, when our mind is fixed upon our position being now risen with Christ, at this very moment, it is as if, as the Lord sees us, that we are already there. It is already and not yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm already there. You understand? Now, now look at this. See, we must learn that if we are to live, then we must be in order to do the daily Christian life. The action of the Christian life is found in abiding. And abiding is not to be mistaken for inaction. Rather, it is knowing who Jesus is and who we are in Him. Because every day when sin comes, and it will come, every day when the devil whispers lies, and he will, every day that the world tries to draw you in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, we must know who we are in Christ. The greatest issue of our day is that our identity is not in Jesus, and it must be. Dear men, I want you to know this. If you could no longer work the job or the career that you have right now, your identity would still be just as secure in Christ because that's where your identity must be. If God stripped you of your abilities to walk, talk, and speak, you would still be secure in Christ. If your bank account was to implode, you lost all money, you lost your home, you lost your car, you lost your friends, you lost your family, your identity and Christ that you are risen with Him is still secure. The reason why we live miserable lives and the reason why we struggle along daily is because we refuse to be identified solely in Jesus Christ. To live in union with Him. I want you to know this, and we all have to know this. We think that a life for Jesus is left up to the professionals, the missionaries, the evangelists, the pastors. No, the daily Christian life and your Christian life today would find victory and power in simply knowing who you are in Jesus and living your life in Jesus so that when the day comes that you can no longer work, it's all okay. You see, ladies, you have your purpose all the, oftentimes in other things. Men have their purpose and their identity is found in what they do and their job and their money that they're making, their ability to provide. Ladies, it's often whether they can have kids or not have kids, whether they can be a wife or not be a wife, whether they're a good one or not, what their home looks like, what their home doesn't look like. Your identity can be nothing in this world. It must be found in Christ. The answer is being found in Him. You see, here's this. Where there is no orthodoxy, there will be no orthopraxy. That means the living out of doctrine. Where there is no learning, there will be no living. You want the answer to all of your problems right now spiritually? Right here in this book. The less time you spend in this book, the more fleshly you will live, the more self-dependent you will be, and the more identified with the world you will be. We must be identified with the Word of God. Then you'll find some victory. Then you'll find some power. Then you'll find some peace in your life. Then we just might find ourselves becoming more sanctified and holy unto God to be used of Him. That should be the goal. Where there is no position, there is no practice. The issue of our day is that we've got plenty of folks who practice churchianity or even what the world, or what we might call Christianity, but yet they do not have their position in Christ. You are either in Christ or you are not. You are either saved or you are not. You are either been born again or you must be born again. And what happens to many of us is that we trust Jesus, we get our salvation, and then we forget who we are. I want you to know this right now. Who you are in Christ matters much more than who you think you are. Who you are in Jesus right now, the way that He looks at you, the way that He sees you, and right now, when God our Father looks at us, you know what He sees? Even the worst and most lazy of Christians, He sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus applied to your account. He sees that your faith 
has justified you freely, not because of any work that you've done, and not even because you've been that strong in your faith, but simply because you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus. He has found not only that you are dead to sin and dead to the world, but He has found that you are risen in Christ. And when He sees you, He sees His Son at His right hand, as we see in this passage. And it is as if He sees you already there, seated in heavenly places. My seat is secure. Is yours? Today we must know our security because the more we know who we are in Christ, then we can begin to truly live for Him. That's what we need today. One has once said, to be a Christian is not only to believe the teaching of Christ and to practice it. It is not only to try to follow the pattern and example of Christ. It is to be so vitally related to Christ and that His life and His power are working in us. It is to be in Christ. It is for Christ to be in us. We need to return to the power of our practice in our daily life. You see, we practice the daily Christian life without any power. And the reason why is because we try to do so without being identified in Him. You can read your Bible and do so without power. You can pray and do so without power. You can witness and work and serve and volunteer and do so without power. And you will find little to no fruit and you will find a great deal of frustration. The power of our practice is our position in Him and His power in us. Now as we look here today, if He then be risen with Christ, this is our text focus today, as we begin looking at what it means to have the risen life. An abundant life, if you will. The book of Colossians is in major two, two major parts here. This is sort of the pattern of Paul's writing. Chapters 1 and chapter 2 is sort of the the doctrine, if you will, and chapter 3 and 4 sort of gets into the, the practice of it. Here's the issue. You need chapters 1 and 2 before you get to chapters 3 and 4. You need to know doctrine before you can live doctrine because doctrine is not something that is meant for your head. It is meant for your heart and your daily life. It is not just meant for you to know some things and to make sure that you're squared away on some fundamentals. All right, I know plenty of fundamentalists who aren't fundamental. I know plenty of folks who are fundamentalists and all sorts of different other labels, but yet their life does not match what they claim. It must not be so with us. Colossians 1 and 2 shows us the supremacy of Christ. And chapters 3 and 4 show us the submission to Christ. The daily Christian life is one that submits to His supremacy. I want you to know, and I have to know this as well this morning, I'm not supreme in my life. Nor should I be. My wants, my dreams, my ambitions, our business, our work, our money, our savings account, our goals, even our service in church. We're not supreme in that. It is Christ and Christ alone. The whole book of Colossians shows Christ our Lord, Christ our life, and Christ our love. And it must be in that order. Because if Christ is not Lord of your life, then you will not submit to Him. Nor will you love Him. Nor will you express the love of Christ. Paul is getting into the practical section by way of restating the position of believers being risen with Christ. That's who you are. We can't imitate Christ until we first identify with Him. His death, burial, and resurrection. The practice of the Christian life is found in the position of the Christian in God. And there's nothing more practical than living out our position because that's what the practical is. Because I am dead, buried, and risen with Christ, therefore now I can serve, I can work, I can sing, I can give, I can glorify Him. Because of who I am, now I can do. Understand? The Christian life is a life that is continually identified in Christ and Christ in us. So here's the thrust. The power to practice Christian living is found in our position in Him. What is our position? Risen with Christ. Today, I'm alive. The Christian life is not meant to simply 
be alive, but to live. Do we understand the difference between that? The average Christian is alive. They're existing. But the Christian life of the Bible that he speaks of, that he tells us of, is one that is living. Living because of our position in Him. Because I'm no longer dead. I'm risen with Christ. When Jesus rose, what did that seal? That His atoning sacrifice was full, final, complete, and sufficient, accepted by the Father? That sinners may now come to Him and live a victorious Christian life, not by any power or strength that they have, but by through His power and through His strength? And that the tomb is empty. Today, if you have been risen with Christ, if you raised your hand earlier and said, I'm trusting in Jesus alone for my salvation, your tomb is empty, if you will. There's no bones in there. There's nothing in there. You're not in there. You are risen with Jesus. That's where your victory is. That's where your power is. That's where your practice is. Let's look at this. Y'all still with me? All right. I'm not sure. If you then be risen with Christ, first of all, I want you to understand this. Paul is not here giving doubt or casting doubt. If you're risen with Christ, this is the idea of since you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Because you've been risen with Christ, look not on the things of the world. Set your affections on things above. If this is who you are. It changes everything. Look here. We need to first understand our past position. And this will go quickly. Our past position was this. Colossians 1.21 And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You were distant from God. There was a time before Christ that even the most religious of folks were distant from God. There was plenty of people in Jesus' day that wore the dress that were even Pharisees of Pharisees and walked to the very front of the temple as close as they could get to all the instruments of worship of God, lift up their hands and talk about how good they were before God and to boast of their own pride, to boast of their own works. They were close, but so far. So many in church today are close, but so far. And he tells us that before Christ, we were distant. We were going, going, gone. Alienated. Our wicked works had caused us to be not only alienated from God, but enemies of God. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 tell us this. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. What is the Christian life? It's the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. That's your old position. Now I may draw near freely by the blood of Jesus. I may now approach the throne of grace right now, right now, right now. We then also were dead. Colossians 2.13 says this, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. We were dead in sin because of sin. And we lived as uncircumcised heathens in the flesh full of sin, pride, lust, self-reliance. Ephesians 2 tells us of this. And you hath He quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation times past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Dear believer, you are risen with Christ. Stop trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh because it will never be satisfied. Your flesh is always hungry for more flesh. And the more we feed the flesh, the more we want the flesh, and the more the flesh wants us. We have been given a new nature. You've been made a new creature, a new creation. You are no longer dead and distant as you once were, but now you are risen with Christ. This is our new identity. 
Today, you can rest assured that your past no longer defines who you are. Praise God. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more, as we've just sung. Do you believe those words? Our past is no longer our identity. You might have been a drunk, but if you've been saved and risen with Christ, you ain't now. You might have been in the world and identified by the world and identified with the world, but if now you've been saved, if you are saved today, you are risen with Christ, your identity is now with the victorious, resurrected Lord. No longer with the world. No longer with your flesh. No longer with the old way or the old man. See, if you never know who you are, then you will never know what to do. And most of us are looking with the what to do without looking at the who we are. Who are you, believer? Who you are is not in your job. It's not in your family. And it ain't in your church. It is that you are risen with Christ. You are alive, quickened together by Him and with Him. His death, your death, His Life, His resurrection is yours. Now let's look here at the meat. We've seen our past position and now we have to see our present position. Ye then be risen with Christ. Since you are risen with Christ, because you've been risen with Christ, because we are risen with Him, we are now identified in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The Gospel is not a part of our life. It is our life. Many folks today have church to be a little part of your life. Many church members have, have half about, I mean, you go to a service a week. Of course you're not going to get a thing. You say, well, you read your Bible, you pray. That's good, that's wonderful. And if you do it in the flesh, tell me what you read. See, if we're reading and we're praying, if we're practicing what we say we believe, there will be change in our life. But I want you to know that you can't bring about such change. Your change will be found when you get rid of who you think you are in the world and what the world says you are and what your past says you are and what you even say you are and now you live as Christ, as who He says you are and that you are risen with Him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6 for just a moment. Romans chapter 6 tells us our new identity. Romans chapter 6 is really this sort of beautiful parallel passage that shows us we're now dead, buried, and risen. That is our identity. The old me's dead. And now I'm alive. And there's a new me. And Christ lives within him. Do not suppress him in your flesh and live for yourself or live for the world because everything that you own today and everything that you're paying personal property taxes that are theft <coughs> excuse me everything that you see in this world is going to burn up one day everything around us this building won't be here one day well I'll take care of it now cleanup day's coming sign up right your boat your car your house your bank account your bank card your checkbook your clothes your everything you've got. It will burn, break, or rot. So why is your identity found in those things? can't be. It must be in the eternal things, and the only thing that matters is Christ. You see, those things aren't bad things. They become bad things when we don't do those things in Christ. You can be the best at whatever you do, but if you do it outside of Christ and being identified with Him, it's for nothing. You will never grow outwardly until we grow down, buried with Him, and upward as we are risen with Him. Look at Romans 6.2. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him. Notice that. By baptism into death. It is our identification with Him. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. You are risen with Him. Knowing this, knowing this, you can't live it till you learn it. Know this, that our old man is crucified with Him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Sin was your master, he goes on to say, but no longer do we have him as a master. We are risen with Christ, and he is not just a master, but he is a father to us. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Do you believe that one day you shall live with Christ? Amen. I do too. But I also believe that I can live that such life now. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Doesn't stop there, does it? But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How is your life to be lived? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The risen life is one that is going deeper, higher, and wider with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We will, as we have said, never have outreach until we have worship. We won't witness for God until we worship God. It begins here with that we go deeper in knowing who we are in Christ which leads us higher in worship to Him, which leads us to grow outwardly as we begin to tell others about this same Jesus who has saved us from our sins, redeemed us, and cleansed us, and, and made us to be joint heirs with Him. That we can know God our Heavenly Father. We are dead yet alive. Jesus had physical death and a physical resurrection so that we could die and be spiritually risen in Him. And one day we too shall have a physical resurrection. We long and look forward to that day. What do you think the rapture is? We're longing and look forward to the day where those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But the risen life is one for right now. We now have a new identity as being risen with Christ. This is who you are. And notice it's not what you do. It's who you are. As He died, I died. As He resurrected, I resurrected. As He is risen, I am risen. Not because of me, but because of Christ. 1 John 3, 1-3 tell us about this beautiful day where we too shall see Him as He is. We shall know Him as He is. We shall be changed to be like Christ. That day is coming, dear believer, but until that day, live your life in Him. The risen life is not just one waiting for the rapture, but it's one that knows that right now I'm already seated in those heavenly places. That I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. He has given all of Himself to me, but does He have all of me? He has all of us when we read and we pray, we fellowship, we give God glory, we witness, we do these things, but does He have you at your job? Does He have all of you in your home? Does He have all of you when you're suffering? Does He have all of you in tribulation and despair? You see, you have all of Him. Our life and death are now solely identified in, by, through, and to Christ. We are now to live the risen life by His power in our life. And the whole of the Christian life is that our risen position brings us to a place of being surrendered to Him in this present earthly life. As we had said at the beginning, we talk about unity and union. It is that we are now and to be and to live in union because we are united to and in His death, burial, and resurrection. That is our life. It's the Gospel. And lastly, We'll look at our powerful position. The Lord has given you all that you need to live the Christian life. The Lord has given us all that we need in His Word. If 
$5 for every time I've heard, preacher, I believe the Bible's inspired, inerrant, and infallible. I'd have a lot of dollars. But unfortunately, nearly every believer that I know stops just short there. They like the alliteration of the eyes. <laughs> but it's sufficient. It is sufficient for all your needs. It is sufficient for all of your growth in Christ. If you're not growing in Christ, it's because you're not going deeper in Christ. You've got to have roots before you have fruits. Do you understand? A tree grows upward before it grows outward. Do you understand? Our position is our power to practice the daily Christian life. I am no longer who I used to be. And I was saved at an early age in a religious, for the most part, home. I knew all the Bible stories. And I was a pretty good kid. And you probably don't believe that. <laughs> you can ask somebody else. But I was still lost. I knew all the right words. And I did all the right things. And that don't cut the mustard. But my testimony is the same as you. Who might have lived out in the world, was the world, identified with the world, because before Christ, even me, living in the church, being in the church, I was still worldly and didn't know it. Because the way of the world is not so much just this outward sin, but it's a heart that doesn't know God. Today, there's many of you who have been saved from sin and you thank God for it, but you're still stuck in your past. Break free. And you can't do it by anything except for this. You are now risen with Christ. Christ is now in you. Your hope of glory. Christ in you. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There was a time when all you were filled with was the world. There was a time when all you were filled with was nothing but bottles or booze or whatever you could get a hold of. But now, not so. We are filled with the hope and glory of Christ. It is now Christ in us. The average Christian focuses on doing. Does the average Christian need to do? Yes. Does the average Christian need to do more? Yes. If you want proof, look at our sign-up sheets. Let's be real with ourselves. But I can tell you this. The reason why we don't do and have a struggle in the doing, regardless of in the church or out of the church, because we struggle with being. We must be content to simply be content in Christ. If Christ ain't enough, then nothing else will be. I appreciate the song that Brother Larry sung. There was a phrase in it that we say a lot. He's my everything. Is he? You see, the risen life understands that He really is our everything. You have no strength, no power in your own. He's our everything. He is our strength, our comfort, our hope, our joy, our everything. And since I am risen, I must and should and will live as such. Are you determined to do so? Identity and living the Christian life is not in doing but in being Risen and understanding your position. Your personal identity is not only found in that you are dead, buried, and risen with Christ. It is, it is, it is only found in that. That's it. That's who you are now. I am a C. I am a CH. I am a CHRIS. Okay, there you go. That's right. And I have CHRIST in my. H-E-A-R-T and I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-E-L-L-Y. Little children's song. 
I'm a Christian. Because Christ lives within my heart. And I now live eternally. Both now and one day to come. We need to understand this. Let me help you this morning as best I know how. The power to practice the Christian life is found as we live positionally in the power of Christ's resurrection. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that now abides in you through the Holy Spirit of God. The same power, the same wonderful truth that Christ is no longer dead but risen and victorious and risen and ascended forever. We now get to identify with such. You're not a loser. You're not to live an unvictorious life, nor should you continue to strive for such because you've already got it. If you be with, risen with Christ. So how do we practice this? First, and here's this, we need to depend upon God's grace. You cannot outrun God's grace, nor can you outgrow it. The same grace of God that was needed to save you, y'all still believe you're saved by grace through faith, don't you? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if we weren't, we would boast. All of His grace that we're saved, but it's all of His grace that sanctifies us and allows us to live the Christian life. The very fact, how many of y'all are saved and sin. <laughs> That's right. Why? This whole flesh. We have to understand this. It's by God's grace that you're not in hell today. It's by God's grace you have not lost your salvation. It is by God's grace that you have not been crushed and suffered more than what you have already. God's grace. We must depend upon it. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul writes, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. As we might say, I is what I is. He says, In His grace which was bestowed upon me. It's a gift. It's bestowed. It's given. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He says, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. It's God's grace that kept Paul going. It's God's grace that allowed Paul to live the Christian life. It's God's grace that used Paul and allowed him to suffer. Why? Because God had to show him, as He has to show us, that His grace is still sufficient for all needs, for all people, for all times, for all circumstances. And lastly in the verse, He says, Yet not I. Was it Paul that preached or Christ through Paul that preached? That's right. But the grace of God which was with me. Second thing we must do is depend upon the gift of God. You say, well, isn't that grace? Yes, but His grace is much more than just that. The gift of His grace is Himself. Romans 8.11 tells us this, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, risen, dwell in you, and it does, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Talk about grace. Talk about a gift. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. That's who you are. Depend upon His grace and depend upon His gift. What's His gift? 
the working of grace, the Holy Spirit within you. What are you depending upon? See, if we're to practice the Christian life, and we all desire to do so, don't we? I want to be a better Christian. I want to be more faithful. I want to be a better pastor. I can't drum that up though. He's given me what's needed. Grace and the gift of His Spirit. You see, if we're to practice the Christian life, we must do so in the power of our risen position in Christ. The Christian life is a risen life. Missionary Hudson Taylor once wrote, since the days of Pentecost has the whole church ever put aside every other work and waited upon Him for ten days that the Spirit's power might be manifested? We give too much attention to method and machinery and resources and too little to the source of power. We want to be used of the Lord. Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to hunger? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to depend upon Him and Him alone? I don't want to outrun the Lord's work. I don't want to find myself being so busy that I've got nothing done for Him. Let me ask you today, are you simply merely existing in the Christian life? Or are you living it? The only way that we can is to live freely by His power and our power and His power is that we are risen with Christ. What's your identity today? What are you counting on? To get you to heaven? What are you counting on to be used of God? Today, as we come to a close, and we're going to have a time of invitation, First, if you need Christ, come, trust Him. Be born again. His death, burial, and resurrection, His blood, atoning sacrifice is enough to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to make you risen with Him. Today, if you're saved and you've been struggling, guess what? You probably have been, because I do too. More than I care to let on, the same as you. Let go of that flesh. Find the Christian life to be lived freely in the fact that you are not your own and you are risen with Jesus. Find your identity in Him today. Let's all stand this morning. Miss Kim is going to play a little piano for us.